Welcome to the 29th episode of the Bo Sox and Filthy Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Green. We are back after a week or two hiatus, and we are super excited to get back into the off-season swing of things. Our last episode was, you know, praising in the World Series fun, but now, you know, we've kind of had some time to reflect. You know, not, it, we haven't had enough time to kind of bath in this glory, but we're, we're, we're starting I'll to think about too. 2019. 2018 will forever be in our hearts. So tonight we're going to do that. We're going to have a lot of discussion about the offseason. Uh, joining me, as always, is my lovely host, David Latham. Dave, say hi. Howdy, everyone. Welcome to the offseason. I think that's the first time I addressed you as David and not Dave. Don't know why I did that, but yeah, that's new. I, re- I respond to both. Yeah, you're son to both. Okay, okay. That's like my off-season name for you. You go by David in the off-season and Dave during the regular season? Sound good? Sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And uh, joining us also, as always, is our other lovely co-host, Christopher Drozine. Chris, do you go by Christopher, too? Or Uh, Not usually. I was going to ask if you were going to address me as Christopher. But but (laughs) I I, I debated everyone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I had an internal struggle. I was like, should I? But I, I just went with it. Yeah, so are you guys excited for this podcast tonight? Talk off-season baseball? It's, it, it honestly kind of sucks. Like, I'm a big football fan, but nothing can replace baseball in my heart. And I don't really care about the NBA either, so I have a lot of free time. I'm a much more productive human being, admittedly. But, yeah, I, I miss the Red Sox, and I miss baseball. Um, how we're, we're going to start this podcast, uh, we're going to do it a little differently. So we get... We have a Twitter account, Bosox Unfiltered, at Bosox Unfiltered. And uh, Dave was awesome enough to post on the on the account asking the our, our followers if they had any questions for tonight's po- podcast. And that's actually how we're going to start out tonight. We usually just start out by going a bunch of topics, but these were interesting. So let's get down to them. We've got four, four responses from awesome Twitter followers. I'll drop their handles. You might want to give them a follow. So, guys, the first one is from Hop. BD and now that is at H O P P B D. Give him a follow. He says Kimber rejected the qualifying offer as expected. Do you think the Sox offer him a long term contract with less money than the qualifying offer? Say three to four years at fifteen million per year. I'm gonna let you go start with that one, Dave. Dave, what do you think about that? So I wouldn't go fifteen million per year because that's a lot of money especially when you're going to be investing it in a guy that's over 30 who relies on a fastball, and that fastball's going to start losing its velocity in the very near future. And you also got to factor in a lot of these kids are about to start getting paid. Mookie, Bogey, Sale, all those guys are about to break the bank. You got to make business decisions at some point and, you know, let a few good guys go. I think Kimbrell's going to be the one you have to let go. I think the Red Sox are going to be, you know, a bit more aggressive than I'd like trying to bring him back. But at the end of the day, someone's probably going to outbid us for Kimbrel, and I think we're going to let him go off into greener pastures. Solid answer, Chris. What do you think? I'm the same, pretty much. I Kimbrel, Kimbrel, he's going to make too much money, and it's kind of a pivotal offseason for the Red Sox, especially as far as money goes, uh, just because they have a lot of guys coming up, and Kimbrel's going to be one of the unfortunate casualties of the business side of baseball for the Red Sox. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. I don't think the Red Sox should give Craig Kimbrell that money. Again, they have, they have what, Mookie Betts in 2020, JBJ 2020, Rick Porcello in 2019, J.D. Martinez if he opts out, Chris Sales, Andrew Bogarts, the list goes on. They need to have some money in the bank because these guys are going to sign massive contracts, and they are more valuable to a team than a closer. I'm sorry, closers are a lot more fungible. Um, it's not to say Craig Kimbrell is not you know, served a great role since he's been here. But the Red Sox is much easier to replace, you know, the closer role with like a Ryan Brazier or Matt Barnes than it would be with a Mookie Betts. You can, that, so I, I think Craig Kimbrell will, the Red Sox should kind of stay away from getting into those million, like $15 million range. But I do think he'll get $15 million in average annual value by some team. I think he can go over that. Um, I think I probably envision like a three, four year deal at 15 to $18 million a year. So I think he was right to reject the qualifying offer because he's going to get a long-term contract somewhere. Um, that was a good question. Um, our, our next question comes from Lem Main zero one. So that is at L E M A N G O one. Give him a follow. And this is actually a non Red Sox question, you know, we, we talk about Red Sox all the time. We don't really go into the 
broader Major League Baseball category, but we're going to answer this. And I actually like talking all Major it's, League Baseball, so I'm going to have some fun with that. It's the offseason. We can get weird. We can get weird. We're getting weird today. Okay, if we're getting weird, uh, officially, I'm opening it up. Next time I tweet for questions, listeners, don't limit it to the Red Sox. Ask us anything. Anything yeah. in the world. Nothing's off limits. <laughs> Oh, 100%. Oh gosh, I, I, I will I share. I think there has to be some stuff off limits. No, no nothing's off limits. <laughs> right. Nothing that no, will no, get no, me no. put in prison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I, guess, I guess we'll put that okay. there, yeah. No no prison stories. Or no, no incriminating stories, I mean. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what questions you could ask that would get you in prison, but now I kind of want to find out. So, yeah, ask any and all questions directed towards our post Sox and Filthy Twitter account. Okay, uh, he asks, Lem asks, where is River going to end up? Chris, you go first this time. Man, I was hoping you didn't say me first. Um, I I have to believe the Phillies. Um, I I don't know why I believe that. I feel it, it, it's so hard. Cause he, he really only has a market of, like, what, five, six yeah. teams at most, probably. Yeah. And There's only the, so many teams that could afford them. Yeah, and the, yeah. and with like the Red Sox are going to be out. The Yankees aren't going to sign them. So there's two that are out. Um, the Dodgers don't seem like they're going to spend this off season, at least from what I've been reading. So I'm guessing the Phillies because they talk. They talk about it. Like sounds a, like it's going to be Machado. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think with the Phillies, I think they're looking for a major overhaul, and I think Bryce Harper would bring that to them. So I'm going to go with the Phillies. Mm-hmm. Good answer. I, I honestly have heard rumors that the Phillies are going to try to side both Machado and Harper, and they might have both. That would be, that um, that would be, would be crazy, a lot of money. Crazy. That would be like close to billion dollars in total uh, contract commitments right there. Holy crap. Um, what about you, Dave? What do you think about this? Yeah, mine's going to be Philly also. Um, I was kind of hoping Chris wouldn't say that because I thought Philly was something of a dark horse and I'd be smart sounding like that but nope I guess everyone knows Philly's the most likely one like you said Chris it's not going to be the Yankees not going to be the Red Sox if it's it sounds like the Dodgers are putting the priority on uh, Harper and I refuse to believe the Nationals can ever do anything right they're not going to sign Harper back he's gone so um yeah I think it's going to be Philly yeah, Harper rejected a ten-year, three hundred million dollar contract. Yeah, the Nationals. It had no opt-outs, though. Oh, the Nationals are. Yeah. yeah, but I think yeah, that was the, no opt-outs. That was the Nationals being like. Anymore. That was the Nationals being like. Eh, here, here, we tried. We gave it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> you can't say we didn't try. Well, there are actually Harper. Um, this is reported by Bleacher Report because why wouldn't it be reported by Bleacher Report? But Harper um, followed. Re- Rice Hoskins of the Phillies and Reese Hoskins, Reese Hoskins, Reese Hoskins of the Phillies and Joel Embiid of the 76ers. So emoji that may eyes. be foreshadowing. Emoji eyes. Philly stars. Emoji eyes. But I actually think the Cubs will end up with him. Um, I think the are going to be close. I think the Cubs Boo. are going to be in the market and they're going to spend after what happened last year. Their, their window is closing. They didn't have the thump that they usually had. Could use an upgrade. Zobris is getting old. I don't know how much you're going to trust Almora. Uh, I think they definitely will be in the Harper sweepstakes, and I would not be even Hayward. You know, he's he's been crap since he's come over there. So I think Harper may fit may fit with them too, and I think they'll have just as much. Actually, I don't know if they'll have just as much. Theo Epstein making a huge move to kind of prolong this window because they have been absolutely disappointing since their World Series uh, in 2016, and they need something to get this team back on track. Plus, they don't know what's going to happen with Addison Russell um, at shortstop, so they really need some thump in the lineup. Even though they already have like so much money in contract commitments, I think they even have more than the Red Sox right now. So I don't know. They would have to go way over the luxury tax for this or find a way to create because they even brought Cole Hamels back, so that might take them out of the sweepstakes. But I'm going to go Cubs because I don't want to conform to your guys' answers. But Phillies are probably where it's going to go. So uh, Tebow Couch Potato lovely guy. He frequently tweets at us at Tebow Couch. Um, he asks, uh, should the Sox keep Ian Kinsler with an emoji guy shrugging in a blue plaid shirt? Yeah. What do you think about that, Dave? Um, I know my boy Tebow Couch, and I know that he is not asking that genuinely, so Tebow, no, not happening. 
What about you, Chris? I like your breakdown of that emoji. That was that was solid. That's uh, I, I have nothing else to say about. I, I have nothing else to say about Ian Kinsler it's except he, he's going to the sun with Drew Palmer. It's a pattern, right? Okay. Okay, he's gonna go to the sun with Drew Palmer. Yeah, I was really self-conscious when I said plaid, blue plaid. I don't I think like, that's. I'm wait, looking at it now. I don't think that's plaid. I think it's just I, blue. I don't think I know what plaid is. It's like I, a blue. It's like a blue Draw gradient. Up, like. It's a blue gradient. <laughs> I'm looking at it now, guys. It's a, it's a blue gradient. You gotta go with Apple socks and filter to find out. What we're doing. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. That's our marketing ploy for the night. Nice it's not pitch. Flat. Stuck the landing there, Pat. I did it on purpose. Um, but I don't think the Red Sox should keep Ian Kinsler. I think they have enough infield depth with uh, Brock Holt, Eduardo Nunez, maybe Chavez. Uh, Dustin Pedroia, if he, I can't bank on Dustin Pedroia, but he, he's, he exists, maybe. Uh, I wouldn't be, like, totally disappointed if the Red Sox did resign him, like, for cheap money, because he is a good player still. He's worth over two wins. He's a defensive stalwart. Maybe platoon a little bit with Brock Holt. It, it wouldn't bother me too much, but if it's at the expense of some other position that you need more, like, you know, re-signing Nathan Avoldi or Steve Pierce or getting a reliever, or even upgrading a catcher, then I would say no. But in Kinsler, if you got the money, you got the wiggle room, I wouldn't care that much. So this is our last Twitter question, and it comes from Seth Ugly. At Seth Ugly, E-U-G-L-E-Y, probably butchered the crap out of that. He asks, who should be the Sox top priority to re-sign uh, of the guys that are free agents? Uh, Dave, give it to me. I'm going to say Evaldi because um, we're going to get into a hot take here in just a second, but let me set things up. So you know how great he was. He was um, arguably our best starting pitcher, aside from maybe Price during the postseason run. He was really did everything you could have hoped for. Obviously, you do worry about the two Tommy John surgeries um, he's had, so you don't know how long he's going to hold up. But at the same point, he's when he's on, he's just so good. Uh, I mean, you saw it in the postseason. He was pitching basically every day. His fastball never lost its velocity. I don't know how he did what he did. And I actually wrote the Nathan Avaldi free agent uh, preview for uh, RedSoxUnfiltered.com. And when I was doing the research for that, I was to find that a lot of Avaldi's postseason run was aided by like good batted ball luck, which you kind of have to expect. Whenever you're that good, it's hard to naturally be that good without luck helping out. But it really didn't. He had like a 170 RA in the in the postseason, but his FI down at 2.7, which, yeah, he got a little bit lucky, but that's still a really good FIP. And in the regular season, he had a 2.8 FIP, which he means he was basically the same guy from the second he came over here. This is a great pitcher, and you can never have too much pitching depth. And financially, I don't think you have to worry about like signing Evaldi, because here's my hot t- We're not signing Chris Sale after 2019. Yeah. Boo. Um, I, boo. <laughs> uh, so we, to preface this, we did record an episode last week. It didn't go for technical reasons. So I've already heard this hot take, so I couldn't really fake a surprise. But, yeah, Dave's hot take, that is very hot. Scorching hot. Um, so with Chris Sale, um, Chris, do you, do you want to rebuttal this? Talk about Chris Sale wait, real quick? Wait, about Chris Sale? No, I, I don't, I don't want to rebuttal it. I actually... Uh, the, the boo is more of the emotional side of me. The, bus- <laughs> the business side agrees with uh, Dave over here a little reluctantly. Um, but the, the emotional side of me says, let's keep Chris Sale forever. Uh, <laughs> but so that's not realistic. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I said last week, too, um, that the audience didn't hear. But I, I think that Chris Sale is not, he has not really shown signs of decline. Um, he's been... And- the thing is, like, his health has really held up, too. I mean, besides this year, this is kind of weird. He's pitched over 200 innings in three of his last four seasons. Now, giving long-term pit contracts to any starting pitchers is inherently risky. But when you're as good as Chris Sale, I think maybe you could make an exception. Now, what, what we, we found out uh, that Max Scherzer was how old when he got that contract? 30? He's not 34? 30? Yeah. And Chris Sale is, I believe, he is 29 years old. So I don't if, – if you could do it for like five, six years to 30, age 35, 36 season at like 20, 25 million, I wouldn't be – and I, I, I wouldn't – He's be getting a lot 
if if we could 20, get him for twenty 30. million, if you get him for twenty million, I'd do it. I don't see him. I, I, I don't see him signing for anything close to that. I think he's thirty. If he if he gets if he gets David Price or Max Scherzer money. Uh, it's it's not going to be a good contract, I don't think. Yeah. As much as I love Chris Sale and what he does, I just don't see it being a yeah. good contract. Yeah, like, I love Chris Sale. I love what he, he's done. But contracts aren't for what you've done. They're what you're going to do. And honestly, over time, and I love Chris Sale, he's fantastic in the beginning of the season. But throughout his career, he always wears down as the season goes on. Fatigue gets to him, even if he's pitching in September, which most of the time he is. Granted, his numbers go through the roof. And fatigue isn't something that gets better the older you get. If anything, it gets significantly worse. So Chris Sale, for what he's making right now, is absolutely worth the money. But for $30 million, which I think he's going to get in free agency, do you really want a guy that, yeah, he'll be great the beginning part of the year, but once the season starts to matter, he's going to be, you know, average to below average for $30 million a year? No thanks. And so, having and having like $60 million between two guys at the front of your rotation just seems kind of ridiculous to me. Like, I, I just don't see that happening. It would, yeah. yeah, yeah and both guys being 30-plus, too. Yeah. So, this would he would be very expensive. Um, I just want... I, I know we might have our differences in opinion about war, uh, F-war. Um, specifically, I'm talking about Fangraphs war. But the... The consensus is that a win on the market is worth about $8 million. Chris Sale pitched 158 innings last year. He did not give you the full enchilada. And yet he was still worth 6.5 wins, which if you equate that to, you know, $8 million, um, a win, he was worth $52.2 million last year in a third of a season. The year before that, he was worth $61.7 mil. The year before that, $39.5 mil. The year before that, $48.9 mil. Since he's come to the He's been worth in two years over 110 mil. These contracts are these uh, war values to contracts are not perfect. They're not exact science, but they do a decent job of kind of showing what the market would dictate for this season. And I think Chris Sale, even not at 100 percent, even with a lackluster September, could definitely be the worth the money. And the other thing is, I don't think the Red Sox are going to let him go. I, I definitely can see the argument that they shouldn't sign any starting pitcher to a long-term contract. But I just don't see them letting Chris Sale go because he's Chris Sale. I just, I just don't see it. But I get it. I get the argument. Um, but in terms of the question of which which uh, guy is the most valuable for the Red Sox to re-sign, uh, Chris, give us your answer. Uh, outside of World Series MVP Drew Pomeranz, um, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Steve Pierce. Um and mostly because I think I, I, Nathan Ovaldi, it's great. He needs, like, realistically, the Red Sox need both. Let's let's be real. Um, but they need a right-handed first baseman because, because uh, Mitch Moreland falls off at the end of the year. So it's, it's been, like, two years of that. So I, I think they need Steve Pierce more than they need Ovaldi because you can find someone else. Yes, no, I, I, I agree entirely with that. Um, but what? having said that, I, I love Steve Pierce, and I think <laughs> like from an emotional perspective, he's my favorite player of, of like the people who came in trade deadline. But I also love Nathan Avoldi, and I think uh, Nate, he, starting pitching is just so valuable. So I'm going to agree with Dave that you can never have too much starting pitching depth. What? And uh, we saw that last year, too, at times when we had to, you know, plug in Jalen Beeks. I mean, Brian Jockton, Johnson and Hector Velasquez did a bang-up job in their spot starts. But um, you ideally want to elongate this rotation as much as possible. And Nathan Voldy is the next wave of guys because not only can he start, but he can he can relieve. He can do he can do whatever. He's very multifaceted, and he's so appealing to a lot of teams because of, I mean, obviously he's going to demand higher because of his postseason run. But Nathan Voldy is very adaptable. He's really coming to his own ever since the Tommy John surgery and he stitches curveball in favor of a cutter. And I think Nathan Avoldi is what probably going to be, if his health stays up, one of the biggest bargains of the winter because I expect really good things from him. And I, I think the Red Sox need to prioritize him. Um, moving on from our Twitter questions. Thank you guys, everyone that participated. Follow all of them. They were lovely questions. And you can ask us questions too on Twitter. Or on, you can email us at redsoxunfiltered at gmail.com as well. Now we're going to get into the scheduled script for our questions. Um, 
to begin, we know that Craig Kimbrell just rejected the qualifying offer um, at like 17 point something mil. We kind of covered that already if, if, if what the Red Sox will do with him. But his agent has been saying that his, his sales pitch is simple. He's the best closer in baseball. That was his, that was his message. So I, I want you to answer me, Dave. Is Craig Kimbrell really the best closer in baseball? And and according to your mom, are you really the best blogger on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> so um, in order, no and no. Okay. Uh, yeah, a little context. Dave sent out a tweet on the Post Sox and Filter Twitter account. What was the exact? Could you quote that? Yeah. Word? So, um, it, what, some account, like one of those, like Boston uh, radio accounts, tweeted out that uh, Kimbrel's agent agents quote saying, "quote Kimbrel is the best closer in baseball history," and I quote tweeted that saying, "My mom says I'm the best blogger in internet history." I so. died. I died. <laughs> I read that. Uh, that was funny. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously, you know, Kimbrell's agent's going to sell him up a little bit. He's a very good closer, one of the better ones of his time, but let's be real. He's not the best closer in baseball history. He's nowhere close to Mariano Rivera. Um, He doesn't have the longevity or the, like, legendary status or the postseason heroics, really, because we won this one in spite of him. And he wasn't even the best closer in baseball last year. There were a bunch of guys out there better than him in 2018. But let me ask you this as a follow-up question. Who do you think is better than him? Um, not just as a closer, but relievers in general. Who would you take over Craig Kimbrell? Uh, assuming he's healthy, Andrew Miller comes to mind. Uh, Chapman, when he's not facing the Red Sox, is about a toss-up. Um, Trenny and down in Oakland, he's really good. There's a lot of guys that come to mind. Yeah. For me, it would have been trying it, like trying and Trenny and uh, Edwin as Josh Hader. Those are like the guy. Or you, Adam Ottavino was going to be like, yeah, he's also a free agent and he had a sick year. He's going to be headed a fraction of what Kimbrell's going to have. Chapman's good too. Uh, what about you, Chris? Do you think that uh, Craig Kimbrell here is the best closer in baseball? It, baseball or baseball history? It's no and no. Um, you can. I mean, yeah, baseball, okay. baseball history. That's that remains to be seen because he could have another. Say he has another like twelve years of, you know, the number of saves. Yes. He, he can get the number of saves. Yeah. Isn't he like on pace to get to the number of saves, like six hundred saves or something like that? I I, I, I don't I don't probably. Yeah, I don't remember. I have to actually. I'm not into counting stats that much. M- me neither, yeah. because I think I think the save stats overrated to be honest. Um, me too. But but me best clo- best closer in baseball, Edwin Diaz has him beat six ways to Sunday kind of thing. Um, <laughs> I just pu- I pulled up his stats. He's 24, had a 1.96 ERA. His his FIP was 1.61, which suggests he was better than, <laughs> than he actually pitched. Uh, uh, yeah. 57, 57 saves, 73, in, 73 innings. This guy, like, yeah. like 124 strikeouts. Like, this is this is bananas. Craig Kimbrell, yeah. I don't even think in his, at his peak was like this. I, I could be wrong. Um, but I, I could go look it up. Oh yeah, I, I think Craig Kimbrell last year was like this. Craig Kimbrell was uh, last I don't year. Know if you remember. I'm looking. Oh, 2017 Kimbrell it. was amazing. We're, we're 2017 Craig Kimbrell had one of the best relieving seasons of all time. He I was still... 1.43 RA, 1.45. Really? Was my... Why don't I? Oh, why don't I gosh. remember that as the numbers? I, I don't know why I don't remember that as the numbers. Oh, yeah, he was reason. amazing last year. Yeah, huh. it was him and Chris Sale, and everyone else was just kind of like I just mediocre. Keep, besides, I, like, I just keep making too. I just keep making myself look like an idiot to the general public on this podcast. That's what that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. if 2017, if 2017 Kimbrel pitched in 2018, the Red Sox would have won 130 games. Oh yeah, and like 2012 uh, with the Braves, Greg Kimbrel had a oh yeah, you guys 1. are right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 70. looking at it right now. That's crazy. All right. Yeah, well, said some stellar. He still he still has never hit fifty seven saves. So uh, yeah. yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. He's got the consistency. We'll see how he bounces back yeah. because there were some definitely concerning trends with his walk rate. Um, he was given a lot of home runs up, but I don't think that I think that was just an aberration. Um, okay, our next topic is. Uh, oh, that was one of that we already talked about the free agents and which is most important to retain. But uh, JD Martinez wins two silver sluggers. So, what, when did this news come out? Was this like Friday? I want to say 
Yeah. Sounds about right. right. So, something like that. Yeah. So, so I am not entirely aware of the situation, but it was something to the effect of he won one for the outfield and then one for DH. Like, how is that possible? Does anyone have more context to, to like kind of navigate me through this? I, uh, I think um, I think the logic behind it was JD had enough at bats as an outfielder and as a DH to qualify for both, and he was the best slugger addition, so he just won it twice, which is kind of BS, but, you know, I'm a Red Sox fan, and it's a meaningless award, so I just find it hilarious, but, like, yeah. you know, it, objectively speaking, no, that shouldn't happen, but at the same point, who cares? Like, yeah, I agree, I agree. But is this, is this like, unprecedented? Has this happened before? Um, Not that I know yeah, of, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I put any research into it. I don't think it has. Yeah, because this this wasn't that big of a news, but had, it was definitely interesting. He had, he had um, fifty-seven games in the outfield this year. Yeah, he played quite a few. Yeah, he so that played quite that that would make sense as to why he qualify for it. What's the play appearance threshold that they have in the outfield, though? Because if he only had fifty-seven games, I'd imagine he'd what have about maybe two hundred plate appearances. I was reading angry. Uh, I was reading angry Twitter comments under one of the tweets about that, and um, I forgot who it was, but somebody won it after playing a whopping thirty games at first base. So, the people have won it on less than what JD did. Wow, I just like don't know where like you know where are the parameters like where are the cutoff like how many at bats play players you need to qualify to be up for this award at that position. I think to be That's up for it, I think you have to qualify like you would for anything else. For- like a couple like the, of yeah. No, like yeah, like for, yeah, you would have to qualify. Not, not for qualifying for like the the different positions, but for qualifying, um, it's probably like pitching where you have to qualify or, or hitting. I think you have to like have an, a a three at bats per Certain per game or whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever they at bats. I don't know what they are off my head, but I don't know if it's per game or for like how many total at bats plate appearances you need. Uh, I'll I'll do some history. Uh, I'll, no, I'll do some uh, research later and see if I can dig that up. Um, does anyone else have anything to say on, on that? That's pretty. Uh, it's pretty a dead conversation. <laughs> just another thing that Dan Got can't do. Man. We can't even win one. JD can win two. Yep. We we won. We got the better slugger. Yeah. So and we saved two hundred million dollars to do it. We we did save quite a bit of money by opting for JD Martinez instead of John Carlson, and it worked out in a big big way. Well, Monkey Betts win MVP. It's going to be announced Thursday, I believe. Uh, Alcor is also up for manager of the year on Tuesday. Um, Starting with Mookie Betts, though, do you think he's going to be MVP? I expect your answers to be the same as mine. Dave, you go first. Uh, Yeah, it shouldn't even really be that close. By just about every measure possible, Mookie was the best player in baseball this year. He was first or second in just about every major offensive category, WRC+. Uh, slugging percentage, um, not home runs. He wasn't top two there, but just about everything else. He was uh, top two. He's one of the best fielders in baseball. He won the gold glove. He has a fantastic arm. He has unbelievable range out and right, and he can catch anything. He's one of the best base runners in baseball, and he can bowl a 300, which shouldn't, which isn't part of the criteria, but it should, it be, should because, be. It should be. Yeah. I mean, if you can do that, you know, more power to you. So, yeah, Mookie's the best player in baseball this year. Uh, he's going to take home the award, and I don't think it's even going to be that close. Uh, I'm just going to say, yes, everything you said is entirely correct. I don't think there's any way he doesn't win. Like, I, I don't I don't think you can really sit there objectively if you're voting on this award and just kind of, like, make a case for not having Mookie Betts as your number one on your AL MVP ballot. I think it, it should be unanimous. I, it won't be because these things never are. But I think he'll win by a very, very, very large majority. Uh, what about you, Chris? Mookie Betts, ALMVP. I'm going to use my, my I'm going to take out my soapbox here for a minute. I'm going to get up on it for a second, and I'm going to say Mookie Betts is going to okay. be the ALMVP. Um, but I am going to be sad about war because I am on a war path against war. Um, because the, the fact that Jose Ramirez is in the top three, and J.D. Martinez nor Alex Bregman are in the top three, is just stupid because of the fact that Jose Ramirez... 
Yeah, he's, a, he's not a finalist. Neither Alex Bregman nor J.D. Martinez are finalists because of some stat that has Jose Ramirez as third because of um, because he he moves around he moves around the diamond a little bit. Like seriously, like come on, let, let's be real. Like that's not it. It just to yeah, me it kills it kills the spirit. Of, it it, it kills. I don't care. It it kills the spirit of the award to me. Because, like, if you look back, like, I understand knocking somebody for not fielding. So I'm not, like, not on my soapbox yeah. with J.D. Martinez. His defensive, I'm yeah. more saying that Jose Ramirez deserves to not be in the conversation. Because his his second half was terrible. Um, and it was just, like, it was one of those things where it was just, like, like really? And then I, then I had to go down the rabbit hole and I looked back to the past winners of uh, the MVP and where they ranked in war. And for the most part... Uh, the past 16 award winners, so the past eight years, 10 of those won, uh, were the first, were the first war, uh, were the first person in war. So, um, and, and most of it was recent. So that's my soapbox, but yeah, it's Mookie Betts. Yeah. Um, in terms of Jose Ramirez, um, my incoherent, my incoherent think... soapbox, but my soapbox nonetheless. No, no, you're, you're pretty coherent. Um, Jose Ramirez, like, I, I get the positional adjustment. A lot of people don't really understand that, and and it really can detract away from, you know, the how, what war stands for but and, like, how it's computed. But at the same time, Ramirez, I think, uh, played enough really solid defense, and he was one of the best players in baseball, mind you. He had 34 stolen bases. And, like, these are peripheral tools. J.D. Martinez out hit the crap of Jose Ramirez, like 170 to 146 WRC+. Plus. But when you start thinking about it and you factor in the base running and the fielding and even the versatility, there's some value in that. There's inherent value in that. Um, it's like I'm a lot closer, and I can definitely see why Jose Ramirez was in there. Jay Martinez, I'm not completely mad about it. I think Alex Bregman also was an unfortunate omission of this. Um, he was really close to Ramirez in terms of war. But, yeah, I will agree that it, it, the award races are starting to come starting to kind of mirror the leaders in war nowadays even, and I, even, I don't think even rookie of the year is like i feel like i feel like people aren't making a case based on anything but war they're like war stat okay you're first second you know what i'm saying yeah that's what, that's what bothers me yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. Even, even the people that create war say that this should be a general guideline not like ranged in stone uh in the past graphs, the past probably the what two or baseball three reference those one of those two says like plus or minus one war meet. It just means it's, it's too close for us to call. Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's like people, like I've heard people genuinely use the argument that like a five point four war player is significantly better than four point nine. It's like no, no, it isn't. No, and, that, and that's ridiculous to make that assertion because these are just you know trying to compute all these different factors. That's not just hitting base. Um, trying to like encompass all the value that they add and. We generally have three good models because it's not just Fangraphs of those words, baseball reference, it's uh, baseball prospectus, so that we're getting all these different information and we can kind of discern like if these models are in agreement that maybe there's more uh, signal noise there. We're just trying to you know get away from the noise and kind of focus on the signal. But I don't think, it, it, obviously it's not the end-all be-all, but it, it's definitely an illuminating statistic. In terms of Rookie of the Year, it, AL Rookie of the Year went the way it did in terms of War Joey in the Rookie of the Year. I don't even think he was a finalist. Am I, am I correct about that? Was he a finalist? I think he was. He was a finalist? I thought it was don't Torres, Indahar, it. I thought it was Torres Indahar, and Shohei Otani. For some reason, I thought that. Uh, uh, maybe yeah, I'm yeah, you're, you're right, Pat. You're, you're right, did Pat. He? Uh, maybe? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Wendell, I think outpaced all of them in war. I might have caught him at the end. Uh, Roy finalist. Yeah, I don't care that Devers didn't have rookie eligibility. It should have been him. Do you really think so? Well, he didn't have rookie eligibility, which makes it a lot harder. But yeah. But if he had at Torres to make the cut, if he had, if if Devers had, you know, had the rookie eligibility, he should have been rookie of the year this year. He should be MVP this year and Cy Young winner. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. I wasn't sure if you're being sarcastic, but I, I understand now. Okay. Uh, yeah. Raphael Devers can do it all. I've never been more serious in my life. <laughs> Chris Sale was not 
They decide, okay, this is kind of old news, but we're going to rehash this here. Um, in favor of Blake Snell, Corey Kluber, Justin Verlander. Granted, Chris Sale only pitched 150 innings. He didn't even qualify. Um, he didn't qualify in terms of um, to be on the ERA leaders board. But, Dave, do you think that he should have been omitted, or do you think he should have been at least the final? Um, I He should not have won. Like, let's get that out of the way. Like, Snell, Verlander both deserved it more than him. Kluber might have. Kluber didn't have the his best season, which... It was still a fantastic season, but by Kluber's standards, it was something of a down year. When Sale was healthy, he was better than all of those guys, I'd say, except for, like, maybe Snell. And even then, I'm going to give it to Sale. But you do need to pitch at least a little bit second half, and Sale really didn't. And when he did come back, he didn't look all that great, especially before the playoffs, where they stopped the voting, like, once the playoffs start. So I'm not that upset with Sale not even making a nomination. So, you know, life goes on. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not mad about it either. Uh, what about you, Chris? I mean, I don't care because the Red Sox won the World Series. So, <laughs> uh, but real realistically, realistically, you have to pitch the whole year. Like that's it's full body work. Uh, you know, because at this point, how hard is it for a reliever to win a Cy Young? Award? It takes like historic numbers. So, why are we going to give a guy that pitches 150 innings that doesn't even qualify uh, for the ERA title to? give him a shot at it kind of thing but i'm not mad i i'm like indifferent about it either way because the red sox won the world series so yeah it was interesting because for a large part of the year it looked like um before sale went down and before trevor bauer went down that it was going to be those two as you know the finalists for the award um i do think that there as dave um espoused that there was definitely to be made uh for sale over kluber um just because kluber on a rate basis, I don't think anyone was better than Sale, except maybe Snell. Snell's ERA, I think, might have been better, but Chris Sale had an awesome year, um, even though it was really cut short. But, yeah, you got to pitch a little bit in the second half, and it sucks. Much of anything. But, as Chris said, we won the World Series, so who the hell cares? Moving on, Dice K. Matsuzaka has won Comeback Player of the Year in the NPB. What the hell is going on? He's still pitching. Who the hell knew this? Dave, what do you think about that? Yeah, um, I kind of felt like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi in uh, New Hope when uh, he's in the desert and Luke says, you know, the droid's looking for an Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. I just like Dice K. Matsuzaka. I'm like, holy shit. Like, you know, check, like, you know, checks the date of the tweet, not from 2009. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's still pitching. He's still alive. Like, it was unbelievable. Just like the euphoria I Elton's like, all of a sudden, I was 14 again. It was a 3-2 count. We're three hours into the game, and it's the top of the fourth. Like. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that that was kind of mirrored my reaction. Um, I'm looking at his stats right now. You guys ready to hear this? Let's go. How many walks? From my understanding, from, well, from my understanding, MPB, uh, the MPB League in general, is very, um, it's a lot, it's a high-run scoring environment. So it's probably not going to sound as sexy. Um, his ERA could be completely wrong about that, but I feel like it's a really good hitters hitters league. Uh, he had a three seventy four ERA, and he had fifty one strikeouts and thirty two walks. In other words, there is no chance an MLB team will ever give him a chance at you know playing again in in the major leagues. But yes, he's probably like ninety right now. Hit, you want, let me check his age. I think wow, he's only like thirty five, isn't he? Uh, he is 38. Oh, all right. That is 35. 38 years young. 38 years young. He started in 1999 in in Japan League. He made his Red Sox debut in 2007. Wow. He won a World Series with the Red Sox. People forget that. What year Actually, is it? I don't think people really care. What years? What what years? What year are we recording this podcast? Can you just, uh, can you tell me that? Maybe like 20, 2023. I don't know, I'm really bad with the years. What year are we at? Oh, it's oh, 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you, sure it's, are you sure it's not 2007 or like 8 or 9? Mm-hmm. Let me check my can, iPhone can, calendar can real you, quick. Can, and can, I, can you check the no. calendar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, now I'm fake. I'm, I'm going to fake log into my phone ask, here. Ask Siri. Fake log into my home phone. Ask fake, Siri. Uh, click on my calendar app. Oh, it's, it's it's 2018, not 2023, not 2007, nor 8. It's, it's 2018. <laughs> Alexa, <laughs> Alexa, what what year is it? 
I, I don't have Sorry, Alexa. <laughs> you don't have Alexa. I didn't have one like ready uh, to go. That would have been funny, but I didn't. So. Yeah, that, that would have been funny. I will. Yeah, we drew that out there, Chris. I'm proud of us. Uh, <laughs> but do you, do you have any thoughts on Dice K winning Comeback Player of the Year in the MVP? No, I, I just question what year it is. That's all. <laughs> I, love, uh, okay. I, I love so so, so I love Dice K, but like. He was awful to watch. <laughs> Those are my entire thoughts. It on was him. painful. Like, like I, he was—he he put up number four production, but the way he did it was just so infuriating. Because it's like, dude, I've got like things to do with my life. It's you're in the seventeenth full count of the game, and it's only the third inning. And the thing is, I had such. It feels like like I had. It feels like Drew Pomeranz. Like a front line number one. Yeah, but it feels like your yeah. hands, you know, or kind of sometimes it, it, it was, but I feel like the Red Sox invested more in, uh, they invested more in Matsuzaka than they did in Pomerantz. Yeah, significantly more. Significantly more. Uh, I got, what was the contract at the time when he signed in 2007? Um, all of the money for most of the years. That's I, think, I think it was like, a hundred, wasn't it like $150 million or something like that? Oh man, it was a lot of money. I'm trying to look it up real quick, but baseball reference does not have this easily accessible. So I'll take your word for it. Ah, was it a hundred million? Wow. Dice game, man. Anyway, so we're gonna move on to our last topic here. And we're just gonna look ahead to twenty nineteen. These are early projections, but I wanted to get your guy I want to elicit your thoughts on who the best Red Sox prospects are heading into 19 maybe talk about some interesting ones dave runs a red sox prof what is it a, a master prospect list both socks and filter and you're doing all these profiles on prospects right now um so yep. you're the expert here so give, give us your opinions all right so my opinions on the prospects we all know about this most of us know about dalbeck those are the big names that have been collected Climbing through the minors. I'm going through. I just finished up the uh, top 10 prospect list based on MLB.com's uh, listing. One of the guys I'm most excited about, he's going to be starting the year in Portland next year. I've never seen Tanner Hawk. He was our first round pick in 2017 and off start the season. And when you look at his final numbers, he finished, and this is all in a high ace tail, and he finished with a 4.24 ERA and a 4.31 AP. Not great, right? Well, if you go to his second half numbers, he recorded a 2.86 ERA and a 2.98 FIP in his final 12 starts. The difference, what changed, is that he started utilizing a two-seam fastball. Now, when he was drafted, that was his main pitch, but the Red Sox wanted to lean him off it and use a four-seam fastball because it gave him like an extra tick or two of velocity. But he didn't have the same command. It didn't have the same motion. So he went back to using the two-seamers, the prior a decent enough four-seamer that has a bit of extra velocity, gives the hitter something to think about, and a really good curveball. So that triple combination made him really go strong for the last 12 starts of the year. Right now, he's our number seven prospect, I believe, by MLB.com, but I think he's going to climb that a lot more. Outside of Jake Rome, he's probably my favorite uh, pitching prospect we have right now, and I'm looking forward to watching him next year. Awesome answer. Very comprehensive. Uh, Chris, any thoughts on some of these young Red Sox prospects? Dave just made my brain hurt. Um, <laughs> I really want to see. I want to see uh, Durbin Feltman. I'm, I'm kind of like. I, I'm kind of excited for a, a couple of like the relievers that I've heard about and read about, um, just because it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do for the bullpen in general. Like, does Durbin Feltman get rushed up because they they want somebody to be a closer? Um, does he do something like? Um, I can't think of the guy's name. Where is it? It's gone. Uh, <laughs> it's gone. Uh, it was Pavelbon, oh, oh, oh. maybe Pavelbon or Bard, one of the two, one of the two. Um, oh God, ba- Bard was like set up except for a while. Except for Bard, like they're talking he, about Brandon Finnegan. Bard basically died. Like, he, he basically died. Yeah, but uh, but I, I basically mean like they come up through the ranks pretty quickly. I think they both did, didn't they? I could be entirely wrong on that. Um, and again, I'd be showing how terrible my brain is, and everyone's gonna laugh Papelbon. at me. Papelbon. Papelbaum must would have been a while because I actually growing up I uh, lived pretty close to where the Lowell Spinners used to well they still play there but I grew up to where the Lowell Spinners played and I remember 
must have been 03 or 04, Papelbon was down in single A, and he didn't make it up to the majors. Was 07 his first year, or was it 06 his first year? Johnny? Yeah. Uh, I think it was 06. But okay, so I'll it was probably 03 when he was in uh, single A. 05. Oh, oh my god, yeah, he made it through fast then. Never mind. <laughs> it was 05. Yeah. yeah. 2000. Yeah, so, so something like that, I think, where, like, they, they move them kind of quickly um, to try to fill a need. Um, you know, I'm more I'm more excited to see what the relievers can do just because it's, like, a glaring, mm-hmm. that's, like, a glaring need on this team. And we all had it shoved in our faces when they didn't actually need a reliever um, in 2018. But now they do. Called it. Uh, now, now they actually need a reliever. Um, and an entirely uh, unrelated note to prospects, uh, Dice Case didn't actually sign for all that much. It was a six-year, $52 million contract. At the That's time, it? that was a lot, though. Yeah, at the it, time, it, there was also a $51 million uh, the posting bid. So, so that, yeah. that was back when you could just, yeah, like, that, that was, on. yeah, that was back when you could just, like, drop $100 million and get the guy kind of thing. Like, it was a, it was a bidding process uh, versus yeah. now it's just, like, wherever the guy wants to go. Um, oh, it's so basically, still being basically it's six, a, basically six years and like a hundred and three million dollars. Yeah, like it adjusted for inflation. Um, did you have any other thoughts on the prospect, Chris? No, no, I'm just really excited about relievers. Yeah, uh, Travis Likens. That's another one to watch out for. He's he's basically pro ready. He'll be up before long. And maybe maybe yeah, point, um, maybe pointer will finally stick. Ooh, Bobby P. Love me some Bobby P. Should have been the postseason roster. Does he still count as a prospect? Yeah, technically he's in the Sox prospect. He hasn't. Yeah, uh, he hasn't really he? pitched all that much. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Pointer, Likens, and Feltman. Those guys are going to be really good bullpen pieces for the 2019 Red Sox. Uh, Darwin's and Hernandez is another one who they're trying him as a starter. I think he goes to the bullpen long term, but you know, who knows? Mike Schwarn, I think, is another one they're trying as a starter, probably going to the bullpen. Brian Mata, I actually, I'm pretty low on Mata. His walk rate's a little high for me, but he's another one where... Well, he's, he's a representative he's, for the Red Sox um, in the, what was it, the Futures game? Yeah, Mata's... If he, he's, he's one of those. He has phenomenal stuff. It's just God knows where it's going every time. That works against single-A guys, but you, I, I want to see how that works against guys that are, you know, good enough to catch up to, like, absurd stuff. So... That that's my worry with Mata, and he's he's a ways away anyway. But uh, Schwarren should be at the very least a spot starter at some point in the year because injuries are going to hit the pitching staff. That's inevitable. Um, he's interesting. Lakin should be up there. He could crack the opening day roster just because I think he's pro ready right now. Feltman, I wouldn't be surprised to see us hold him off till like a month or so. Wait for that uh, sort of cheat the eligibility rule so we get one more year of cheap. And, um, yeah, I think Hernandez, probably September call-up. Oh, gosh, I wonder if a team's ever, like, super tuned a, a reliever when they've kept him down for eligibility purposes. I mean, if they uh, they probably do, but, like, you, you never hear about it. They like probably, you did Chris Bryant. Or, I don't think you do because they're, like, relievers are inherently always up and down. Like, usually when they start their career, yeah. they, they're up and down. They don't just come up and stay up, usually. So it's not like a grievance or anything. Yeah, because yeah. usually you move, you move them up and down for whatever your team needs. Um, so they don't, like, stick for a while. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to shout out. Dave Dave gave a lot of good prospect analysis. And he, he's right. you're right near uh, Portland. So you got to watch a lot of those guys in action. Which is, you know, you have that first-hand account as well as, like, the statistics and the archives. I, on the other hand, am in North Carolina. So the place I had to go is Greenville. I'm so lucky we have a single-A team here, though. We also have Salem, which is pretty close to me. Um, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I got to cover the Reds, uh, the Greenville Drive a little bit. And I did meet Durbin Feldman. Very nice guy. Um, he's seems like he's going to be awesome. He's, like, obviously on a lot of people's mind. People thought he was going to Brandon Finnegan it of and just kind of make it to the postseason run right away. Everyone was excited about that. I would I would wager he would probably start Octavio Portland next year and then probably work his way up the ranks pretty quickly. Um, some kind of guy in the middle who I was able to watch pitch in Greenville that I'm kind of really excited about. They're more again they're like not in the top ten 
um, major thing. But Connor Crawford, to me, is like the most underrated prospect in the system. And it's not only like the eye test, which is very invaluable, and I'm not a pro, I'm like not a scout or anything. Um, but Connor Crawford has completely reinvented himself since uh, being drafted like really late by the Red Sox. I think it was like the what 16th round. Actually, I think it was even later. 18th, than that. I want Six, to say. Yeah, 16th round. Yeah, it was 16th round. Um, Connor Crawford in Greenville. He pitched 21 games, 112 innings, 296 ERA, 312 FIP. Obviously, outstanding numbers across the board. And he added his cutter late into his college career. Same school that Chris Sale went to, Florida Gulf Coast. And once he added the cutter, his stats in college were, like, insane. Like, they were, like, elite-level pitcher. Um, before that, he was mediocre. That's why his draft stock was just so mad, because he had, he had not proved consistently until he added that cutter. So, cutter, Crawford. So, cutters added, added the cutter, and then he became a beast. And it showed single A, which didn't be very low. So, then he did get um, some props of uh, single A Salem. This is a, uh, this is an upper, it's advanced A. He pitched innings to the tune of a 431 ERA. Now you look at that and you're like, okay, that's a little concerning. There's definitely a precipitous drop-off. Like, what's happening here? Underlying six, though, 253 FIP to go along with that 431 ERA, 346 BABIP. I think you can conclude that there was definitely an element of luck there. His strikeouts per nine actually rose from 9.61 in Greenville to 10.63 in Advanced A Salem. So that's really encouraging. Um, I really like Cutter Crawford, and I think he can go far uh, with that cutter. And I think we'll be talking about him as a top at least 15 prospect as soon as next year. Because right now in Sox prospect, he ranks 33. I think that's dangerously low. Now, Danny Reyes is also a guy who I got to see in Greenville pitch, and he was pretty fantastic in 21 games, uh, 123 innings pitch in Greenville. He pitched a tune of a 189 ERA. That is sexy. Uh, and a 307 FIP. He this and then he went to Salem and he went he went with Cutter Crawford. I think they got called at the same time. 225 ERA, 339 FIP. Now this is a guy who pitches the contact. Not like Cutter Crawford. He's not like some of these high strikeout guys. He has really good command, like Nathan Avoldi command. 169 walk per nine in Salem and 0.95 in in uh, Greenville. So lots to like about him too. Different breed of pitcher. Um, I obviously prefer I privilege strikeouts, uh, strikeout over contact pitchers. But yeah, you can't if if, he, if you're reducing that week of contact, that that's got to be something. But again, these are more middle tier prospects. I, I, I agree with Dave that we're going to be looking at Chavez and our big room next year. We're going to look at Tristan Cassis. Um, there's going to be a lot of guys to watch and who's going to be, and then Bobby Dalbeck, of course. So yeah, Red Sox prospect system, interesting, not the best, but very captivating and like. Oh, like, we, we actually don't have, like, the top, like, you know, top ten prospects anymore, but I really do like the depth we have. I think we have a bunch of, like, really good future role players, and we don't really necessarily need stars because we've got a core four to build around Endeavors, but and Bogarts, and Mookie. Like, Jackie's great, but he's not on their level. So, I mean, really, all we need our farm system for is just cheap villains that can do their job, and we have a lot of that. That in spades. Do you think Devers would be in that core four over Bradley, though? Um, in 2018, no. In 2019, yes. Okay. And I mean that sincerely. Okay. I'm talking uh, about moving forward. We won yeah. the World Series with what we had. I'm talking about moving forward. Yeah. I still wait and see on Devers. And I, I, I know you love Devers, but I'm still a little wait and see. I still think he's got enormous potential with enormous power potential. But... Yeah, he's really got to curtail his uh, play discipline, and it's really hard to improve on on you know con- like patience at the place. He's, he's twenty one. I know he's very young, but I'm still a little wait and see. I think he's going to be a superstar next year. Really? Now, I, I would love I would love for Raphael Devers to be a superstar. I just I, the play discipline does scare me, even if he's twenty one, even with that qualifier. But I still think he's going to be a good player. I think he's going to be above average. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think he definitely started uh, hitting the ball to the opposite field more in the second half. Am I correct? Um, I think so, and that was one of his big strengths yeah. coming up yeah. through the system was his power to every field. Yeah, because he stopped doing that last season, which was concerning. I wrote an article about that, but then I think he really picked it up, and you saw like a corresponding jump in production. So if he can use all fields, and if he can curtail his play discipline problem a little bit, I think, yeah, he could be a very, 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 very valuable player. What about you, Chris? What are your thoughts on Devers? 
Uh, I love Devers. He's my. He's probably my. Uh, he, he's he's really entertaining to watch. I know that. And he looks like a he looks like a, mute, uh, a teenage mutant ninja turtle. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys notice this, but I really like I like to look at how the guys look. I don't know why. Don't don't ask me why. But uh, he he looks like Drew Pomerantz. He just looks like yeah. Drew Pomerantz looks like he hates life, but but Devers looks like he's having a genuinely good time to be playing baseball. Um, and he definitely. He definitely, when he went down and came back up, there was definitely, like, a change in him kind of thing. So I think what we saw was, like, a what they call the sophomore slump, basically. So I think he's going to be a superstar, and I think he's going to be what kind of pushes JBJ out of the, like, core kind of thing. Um, just because JBJ, realistically, eventually he's going to become a role player, probably, more or less likely. Um, whereas Devers has the potential to be everyday third baseman superstar, which is what I assume he's going to round out to in 2019 as well. Though we said this about yeah, Will Middlebrooks. Also... We said this about Will Middlebrooks. And that oh, guy, no, don't say about... that name. Don't that say guy. that name to me. Hey, okay. hey, 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 I've got a player in the world for a couple Will Middlebrooks got... is the devil, I... and I hate it. I bought a Will Middlebrooks jersey. I have Will, a Will, Will, I have a jersey. I have a Middlebrooks jersey. Will Middlebrooks jersey. killed Kevin Euclid, and I will never forgive him. <laughs> that, he is killed Kevin that is true. That is true. And then he sucked. Yeah, Car- like he, karma. Yeah, he got deserves him. it. Karma got him. <laughs> and, and what? Did you, like what? He's out for the year. This serious injury playing for the Phillies. Yeah, that guy. Uh, that guy really played with their heartstrings. I thought that was the future right there, and I was so convinced. Like oh, there was seemed, nothing you could tell me that. He, yeah, he seemed I legit. That dude seemed legit. And then like I actively is. rooted it against him every single time he stepped up to the plate. Uh, remember that controversy though? That was so so compelling. Not compelling. That was kind of. I felt so bad for Euclid, but God, Will Middlebrooks. He he had some major potential. He squandered the crap out of that. Actually, funny story about Will Middlebrooks. Um, back when I first moved up to Portland, there was a racquetball court. Uh, there's, it's still there. Um, I used to do it every now and again. And the girl that worked behind the decks had a Will Middlebrooks Milwaukee Brewers jersey. Oh, why? I was like, I'm like, how did you get that? Wait, yeah, he, oh. He had Wait. 31 plate appearances with the Brewers I, I in 2016. I was going to yeah, say, I don't even remember him being with the Brewers, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, she was, uh, she, she had a pretty big crush on uh, Will Middlebrooks. I guess she had a Red one, uh, uh Padres one, a Brewers one. I didn't, she never wore the other ones. I only saw the Brewers one, and I'm just like, how is this possible? How does that exist? Like, are you the only person in the world who bought... I don't even think Will Middlebrooks has a Will Middlebrooks Brewers jersey. Who's seeing those Will Middlebrooks Brewers jersey? Like, where did she find... She must have done that that custom name thing, like... That's so sad that you could customize an actual MLB player's name on a jersey. (laughs) Get it? Like, that's just sad. I think that says all you need to say. Oh, my gosh, Will Middlebrooks. I, I, you know, we're actually ending with our conversation about Will Middlebrooks. We don't have any more topics. That was it. <laughs> it's the it's, it's it's how we end our it's how we end. Song, we, uh, we end this on like us flaming someone. That's that's what it is every single week. It's just us flaming someone. First it was the Orioles. Well, I, I think that no. was Manny Machado. Yeah, yeah. Now, now we're on to Will Middlebrooks. Stu, tune in next week. You'll find out. Yeah, yeah. And tune in next week, and you'll know who it is next week that we're gonna flame the entire episode. You know. <laughs> But yeah, Will Brooks, like, I can't say it enough. Like, I don't want to flame the guy. Like, he was my favorite player of all time in ninth grade, 2012. I actively want to flame the guy. He's the worst person. He's the worst thing that's happened to my ass, honestly. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Will Brooks, if you're listening. Dave didn't actually mean that. Uh, we love you. Uh, no, I meant it. I meant it. What if, if Will Brooks said, hey, can I come on the show? What you saying, Dave? Fight me, bro. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> All right, that that would be fun. That would be fun. All right, uh, departing thoughts, Dave. Um, you yeah, just um, one. Will Middlebrooks is the word. <laughs> Want to uh, keep on checking up on the Red Sox prospects? I have all the top ten written, but turning out a lot of them. It's a long off season, and one of my goals this over the break is to sort of really build up a in-depth breakdown of just about everyone we have in the farm system, so make sure you keep on checking the site because I will be posting a lot of those. Definitely do that. What about you, Chris? Uh, my only departing thought is let's get weird this off season. so I hope you're all 
ready for a fun and weird off season of us trying to get through to more baseball. I hope there's a weird off season for every team besides the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox have a pretty uh, nice formula. They they want to you know just retain the players who got them there and don't spend the bank too much because you got a future to think about and there's a lot of money. Um, and uh, Pablo Sandoval was considerably worse. Uh, thing to happen to the Red Sox of Wilmington Brooks. That is my departing thought. All right, Just yeah, granted, I'll give you that. Context. One. It's context. We've got a context. It? So you can you can listen to this podcast on uh, SoundCloud, of course, iTunes, and iTunes. Please go follow us. You can even leave us a nice review if you want. If you leave us a bad review, don't do that. Um, we also <laughs> it sometimes uh, our good friends over at the Grilling Truth Network post their podcast, our podcast on their varying platforms. So if that's the case, you can look at us on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on iHeartRadio. So this plate, you can literally listen to us across the interwebs. So scour the interwebs and go find us. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more Red Sox content. And remember, go Red Sox. See you guys next week. <laughs>